0: Out there, I'm Pat Pauly, and I'd like to welcome you to my show, Heartbeat Northwest. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m., we interview people from the visual arts or the performing arts and talk about art happenings coming up in our local area. And today, we're talking with clay sculptor Jacob Foran. Jacob is also co-owner of Foran Suin, a company that creates ceramics using 3D printing technology technologies on the cutting edge. Jacob was named Ceramics Monthly Magazine's Emerging Artist in 2017 and was a recipient of the Washington State Artist Trust Fellowship. And he has a master's degree in fine arts in ceramics, From the University of Washington. His work has been exhibited and collected widely throughout the United States. He has been awarded resident artist for many ceramics programs and he is currently on the art faculty at Lakeside Upper School in his ninth year there. So you must have a lot of great ceramic artists that you've trained there, Jacob. And anyway, I want to welcome you to the show, Jacob.
1: Thank you, Pat. It's great to be here.
0: Before we get started with the interview, I want to talk about some events coming up here locally in August. We're into August now. And coming up is a really fun event, August 24th and 25th, at the Bellevue Botanical Garden. And it's their annual Arts in the Garden event. And this is a great opportunity to see 3D Garden art. Hmm, you should be making some 3D garden art with your uh, 3D printing. Anyway, you can see this 3D garden art in a natural setting, and you will be able to meet the artists and then get inspired to bring art into your own home and garden. It's all for sale there. But admission is free and parking is free. So that's Saturday, August 24th, and Sunday, August 25th at Bellevue Botanical Garden. More info at org. Also, well, it started August 1st, it, but it's extending through uh, September 22nd, is the Contemporary Northwest Print Invitational. And this is a showcase of contemporary art prints on it. Davidson Galleries in Pioneer Square, 313 Occidental Avenue South. So it's right down there in the middle of the Pioneer Square area. Uh... This exhibit features work by 67 amazing print artists, and it's in conjunction with the organization Seattle Print Arts. Now, if you like original prints, Davidson Galleries is the place to go to see the best of current work. We'll be back shortly talking with Jacob Foran on Artbeat Northwest on Alternative Talk 1150. Stay with us. Support for ArtBeat Northwest with Pat Polly comes from Pratt Fine Arts Center, offering year round classes for youth, teens, and adults. Located in the central area, Pratt is the only facility in the Northwest where absolute beginners and established professional artists work side by side, creating art in glass, metal, stone, and wood sculpture, jewelry and metal smithing, painting, drawing, printmaking, and mixed media. Learn more and register for classes at pratt.org. Working hard to put a smile on your face. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Artbeat Northwest. We're here with Jacob Boren, ceramic artist and designer for 3D printing. And he also is somebody who does figurative and contemporary clay work. And Jacob, you know, people are really fascinated with 3D printing. But then when you talk about ceramics and 3D printing, they're not only fascinated they're absolutely mystified. How can this possibly happen? Could you explain how you can do that?
1: Well, it's very new. And the way it works is we often start with a traditional method. So as a sculptor, as a ceramic artist, I'll start with drawings in a sketchbook. And my design partner, Pirak does the same. And then oftentimes I'll create the form itself just with a coil technique or something. So from there, we have an object to work with. And um, the process starts there in the software stage. So we'll use architectural programs such as Rhino or other 3D programs to sort of model the form. and You know, so it looks like a solid mass of clay, and then there's a bit of technical stuff that goes into it. We, we shift to what's called the slicer software, and the slicer software pulls out all the pattern and texture and sets the machine up to sort of build in a certain uh, method and with a certain level of lift between each layer height. So that's sort of the, the technical aspect. W- when it gets to the physical, we Wedge clay, we sort of soften the clay up to where it's the right consistency, and that's quite important. Oh, you have to do that by hand, huh? We have to do it by hand. It's a lot more physical. Uh, than I,
0: I think they need a machine for that, too. Well,
1: <laughs> That's I, hard to do. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, so we soften the clay. It's sort of a soft state. Um, so it's not slip. It's just soft clay. Exactly. It's uh, ex- Precisely. Yeah, it's between, uh, between a consistency that's like slip and then maybe the soft clay that you would make a pot with on the potter's wheel.
0: Ah, so it's a little softer. It's a little softer. Than what you would normally use if you're hand-building or working with a potter's wheel, but not just liquidy. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So from there we load a plastic tube, and we put the clay in there. We put the end caps on. And it's like, if you think of like icing, essentially we're sort of setting ourselves up to extrude this soft clay through a nozzle, ah. So the machine itself has a couple axes. One's the ground plate that's moving in different directions, and one is like an arm that sort of lifts from up and down. And the pieces is really it's really quite a mesmerizing process to see in person.
0: Um, oh really? Do you have do you have a window where you work so people can watch you? Or <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, Instagram,
0: <laughs> Instagram. Oh, oh, you do have a video on Instagram. Yeah, on we our... we post
1: videos and. Um, I guess that's the way now you know yeah but the piece starts from the ground up um if you think of like weaving a basket or making a coil pot the clay is extruded from the ground up and with our work it's sort of working its way around and around and weaving in and out to sort of create these beautiful textures and patterns and and
0: they really are beautiful i
1: actually i bought two of his vases because i thought they were
0: so beautiful it's so interesting. It's so different. But now you not only make vases, you make some other things too, right?
1: Yeah. We le- really like plants. We're designing planters for succulents and cactus. One of my favorite items that we're making are these votive, these tea lights. They have holes built into them. So if you can imagine forcelain. And
0: that's is, part of the
1: program, right? Yeah. We sort of trick the, we kind of trick the design into to having f- holes in it so that the light can glow through. <laughs> Oh, cool. Yeah. And then right now I'm, I'm working on a prototype for um, a candle. So I'm partnering with uh, Inland Candle Company in Coeur d'Alene. So we're designing a porcelain vessel that, you know, it's waxed and wicked. Um, and then it'll have a soy wax inside that has a different scents. So the one I'm really excited about is called Northern Pines. So um, it's a great fit. I'm excited to work with Inland Candle Company.
0: <laughs> oh, so that's creative too. You're creating new products. Like, like they do on Shark Day.
1: <laughs> it is, yeah. It's uh, I, well, I, yeah. You know, building this is much like any other creative work. It's creating a different product, creating a, a company.
0: Now, to start out and do this, though, you have to have the three D printer that uses the clay, and the but th- and this is a company that's developed this. Where where are they from, and how did they develop it?
1: Yeah. Um, well, the company that we work with is based out of Florida. Uh, we know their owner quite well, and we've partnered with them just in terms of testing things out, uh, oh. get, getting their first versions of, ma- of, of the machine. Um, and he's got a partner in the Bay Area. So my design partner, Pirak Suan, was really there at the ground level when they started experimenting with the, with the equipment, with the technology to do this. So he was doing his master's in architecture at uh, UC Berkeley. And, uh, you know, from my understanding, that's kind of where this whole thing really ignited. Ah. So now where is the company going with
0: this? Are they going to build these potter? I call them potter bots, but yours is called 3D Potter. Yeah. Are they going to build ones that do even more different things? Or yeah? uh, you were talking
1: about bigger. Bigger, yeah. (laughs) We we uh we just invested in a in a little bit larger printer so we can go um you know about thirty six inches in height and diameter so larger but um they're actually working on on things that could go on architectural scale so they're
0: uh oh of course because that's their, that's what they've been working with right
1: yeah and it's if you imagine and- what we're doing just on an architectural scale it could really be an interesting landscape here in the next uh, 20 years.
0: Yes, and, you know, I think when these all these buildings are built, there is this need for these huge pots to match the scale of the buildings. And I think that there's a real market there. And especially if this uh, 3D potter, or whatever they're going to call it, the big one, can come up with a lot of different designs. You know, it would be... I think really a good a good thing that would sell well. Yeah, we're excited. So you've had a really a lot of fun designing these things, but you have a lot of other background too. And one thing I really he has so many wonderful figurative sculptures. And and that's just another part of what you do. Why don't you talk a little bit about some of your figurative sculptures? Because they're so interesting and this is something you've been into for really a long time. Yeah, sure.
1: Yeah, since the start actually I I gravitated towards figurative work. As I think back, I even now I'm making these bodies of work that sort of center on the child figure. Oftentimes I'm making young children, boys and girls that are in this sort of meditative state or they're in a state of contemplation. And
0: And they're just the cutest little things. Well, they're very they're not really I wouldn't say cute. They look so peaceful, and they're very well done and very well glazed. And do so, Do you have some of these in parks and things? Because I could see them as being,
1: you know, very appealing to people. Uh, mostly in, in the home, you know, in private collections. Not not anything uh, outside at this at this time. But that would be fun too.
0: <laughs> I suppose they're a little bit smaller than most outside sculptures
1: or are they uh yeah they are you know they're sort of think of tabletop or maybe some of them are life size for for a child size
0: now before we forget let's go back to your 3d sculpture because i want to ask a couple more questions and then we'll go back okay um okay so this sculpture is created but it still isn't finished and so you have a sculpture, and it has all kind of texture on it that's put on there by your design that you've put through this 3D printer, uh, but it's still s- soft clay. And so now what's the process for finishing uh, whatever it is you're making, say a vase?
1: Yeah. Well, the next step is to do uh, some carving and sort of going in and cleaning up the object. It's not a perfect print Um I'm kind of using those sculptural skills to, to refine the vessel, and you know, for example, if it's a drinking cup, I still come at it with a ceramics background where I'm thinking about the edge and how it fits the mouth. So these types of little details. Um, So once it's cleaned up, it's put into the kiln. So the first time it's called the the bisque firing. We it turns things from clay to ceramic, and then we line the interiors with glaze, so that's essentially I'll fill the vessel up with glaze, pour it out, spin the vessel as it's dumping out, and then um, create a nice edge at the top so that we fire it again. That's called the glaze fire. Sometimes we paint in that stage too to give it color. Um, and then the final, the final thing is that we brush on what's called a gold luster. It's a liquid gold, it's 20, 22, 24 karat gold, and we paint it on the edge and then that goes back into the kiln, and it's fired the third time to a cooler temperature, still hot. It's about 1,370 degrees or so, and that's the final stage. But So know,
0: really, somebody using this has to be someone who knows all about ceramics to begin with, or you're not going to get very good results,
1: right? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's the exciting thing for for our work. for For our company, it's going to be a different level of, craftsmanship is going to have a different level of care and skill because um, we come at this as as artists, you know. We're not just making—we're not just squirting clay through a machine and then it's it's a manufactured thing. We really are. Um, we're creating a beautiful object. It's, a, it's still handmade.
0: So, what's your next new additions of these? Uh, you know, like handmade but 3D printed yeah. uh,
1: ceramics. Well, I'm excited. I've been very focused on, on designing product, and um, as artists, you get the itch to make some of you know something sculptural and something else. So my next uh, my next thing I think is that I'm working on ideas for a body of work that combines this new technology, these innovative uh, contemporary 3D printed vessels that also have components that are are handmade. So I'll use coil techniques or things that are really rooted in History and tradition, and um.
0: so you're going to combine techniques more than you're doing it a little just because you're finishing. But you want to combine your your skills with coil work, with this 3D Potter work, and somehow create what exactly? I think (laughs) some kind of mythical sculpture could be. yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Well, it's going to be fun because you, you you can use your brain and your imagination and your artistic skill and your in your skill with clay and and really come up with some what a challenge you have and and what an opportunity to really create some new new uh, things with new ideas you know Thank but listen it's already time for a break we've been here talking with Jacob Forin about his ceramic art and all of the imaginative things uh he has uh in the future and we'll be right mo- back with more on Beat Northwest From new exhibitions to community events, Bellevue Arts Museum is always new, always different, and always exciting. Featuring a school of over 400 glass fish from makers around the world. School, the Joseph Rosano Salmon Project, highlights the plight of global salmon and steelhead populations and recognizes current conservation efforts. See it at BAM from April 12th through August 11th. Get tickets and learn more at BellevueArts.org. Get inspired every hour right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Artbeat Northwest. We're here talking with Jacob Foran, ceramic artist and a designer for 3D printing. And he is one who also does figurative and contemporary clay work. And Jacob, I want to ask you before we get into your other art, Uh, How has the public been as far as being accepting of this 3D ceramic art? What are you hearing from people who
1: purchase this art? That's a great question. Um, Ninety-five percent, we hear it's beautiful. People are very fascinated. I think that, you know, we're in an era where, Technology is is a thing, and it's a big topic, and people are pretty fascinated that we can do things that bridge art and science, or uh, things that are traditional with something that's that's not. So for the most part, it's been really well received. Um, people are buying it, and
0: and that's the ultimate acceptance, right?
1: Well, it's they it's rewarding. One. <laughs> <laughs> it's rewarding. Now there, you'll have naysayers, and I would say. There are skeptics, particularly in the ceramic world or in the in the art world, who, um, you know, may think that it's taking the soul out of something, or, uh, you know, it's maybe not, not the same as making an object by hand. But you know, I'm not trying to fit into, to that world. And, um, you know, for us, we're really coming at it from a design standpoint. We're not trying to be in the ceramic art world. Um, so there's going to be naysayers, but I, yeah, I don't. I don't care too much I think it's we're making beautiful objects it's affordable and um you know I think if you beautify a home it's a, it's a means of getting there you know what I mean it's a tool So
0: mm-hmm. means of getting there and involving design and uh but you know you still have uh you are still in that uh, other art world too so you're kind of in between two worlds really and so let's talk again uh, more about your uh, figurative sculptures um, and uh, where you're coming w- from
1: with those well that work is very intuitive so I think one one difference in the two realms is that with design it's more methodical and planned and uh, with the with the figurative work it's very much intuitive and kind of tapping into um, the imagination. So I think that for me, my my work has always revealed my um, values in some way. And, uh, you know, so children is one thing, you know, and that what, what children represent to me are creativity and imagination and good, you know, just kind of the good in, in us and in humanity. Um, so, yeah, it's a very different, very different process. And then you've taken some
0: forays into. Uh, more uh, contemporary figurative work by adding different things to the sculptures, and then going totally abstract. Why don't you talk about how
1: your figurative work has gradually changed? Okay. Yeah. Well, I think um, it's shifted from having a greater sense of story. It went from being contemplative, uh, human object or figure to having landscapes that surround the shoulders and the head. I call them headscapes. They're essentially these kind of manifestations of an inner world or things that are happening on the inside, but coming to be in the physical.
0: Like give some examples of what your sculptures might have. I thought it was very interesting. Yeah. So
1: (laughs) for example, you know, I may have a, a young boy in a garden, so there'll be these sort of floral forms that are surrounding its head. And then its eyes will actually be kind of swirling in the same way that the that the flora or the the flowers are. And another is um, maybe there's several fish that are kind of swirling around the the piece. Oh, um,
0: I want to see that one. That sounds yeah. really
1: interesting. <laughs> or other, other symbols like rocket ships or things that are sort of got to do with space travel or underwater travel.
0: So this might kind of connect... The figurative sculpture with what the sculpture might be thinking about, or yeah, is that kind of yeah, yeah, that's just so intriguing. Thank you. And then, um, then from there, you went even further into abstraction.
1: Yeah. So the the shift, uh, you know, visually there was no quick, um, well, there was a very quick departure. There was no gradual transition in the way the object looked, but now what grounds these things is my interest in space. So um, the sculptures became much about an object in space and how we sort of uh, work our way around the object. So they change and they they morph depending on your vantage point. So I became um, interested in space, but I just maybe set it in a different way, if that makes sense. So rather than using narrative and symbolism, I use experience.
0: and you probably had fun with getting the clay into those kinds of shapes too.
1: Yeah, it's almost um, it's quite physical, you know. I mean, it's not as controlled or not as skillful. It's more of a making use of what the material can do, and it's its natural properties to take on different textures and sometimes throwing you know throwing material against concrete and then using that to turn it into. Um, a face or a head or a shape is very much uncontrolled and just very uh, intuitive
0: so it sounds like now you've been doing this for like what nine years now and it sounds like you have really uh, worked on changing and growing and uh, doing different things I mean that's got to increase your just your whole total look at ceramics yeah how people reacted to your abstract sculptures
1: um you did have a a show in uh, portland right yeah i had a show at at utectic gallery in portland and um the gallerist was kind enough to to show it it was very different than (laughs) what i had been exhibiting and you know, so you didn't worry about the commercial viability of, of the work. And uh,
0: and your other figurative work, I know, had sold very well, but you just
1: wanted to grow, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just about making the work that I, I needed to make and what was inside. Um, so, the you know, it's just I really haven't exhibited it much. I, I, I believe in that work, and um, the people that came, my colleagues, my sort of former professors and things, they I think they, they, they quite like that work, but maybe... Everyone else maybe not as much <laughs> not
0: as much as <laughs> some of your other things. but what I was telling Jacob is well, you know in the future you don't know I mean tastes change and I'll bet you if that was like at the Seattle Art Fair, people would love it. You, I am not kidding because that's well, cutting edge stuff
1: thank you. you and
0: you know and I know your sculptures you got to see them online they're they're really cutting edge I think they would really make a statement at you know, at one of these international art fairs. That's my thought. Because it's not the kind of thing that you would want to keep locally. You know what I'm saying? You need a bigger mind, a universal mind, to appreciate that kind of thing. What do you think about I, putting I it in an, that. an international art fair? I think that's that's your place for that kind of art.
1: That sounds good. You know, I, <laughs> used, I used to have a professor, Ron Kovach, that would ask the question he's like where do you want your work to fit in you know you might care about it fitting into the now but you know he said I don't care about that like my work's not for the now you know it's for the future so oh that's what he said yeah you know so that kind of stuck with me I think if you if you have that kind of courage and not not worry about the trends then that's what keeps your work moving forward
0: well I think you know you you have this one foot on the ground with the 3d potter And then you can afford to have, you know, your head in the air with your really contemporary sculpture because, you know, uh, it's it's uh, kind of balancing things out. You know, you can be very edgy and and more a little more traditional, although kind of edgy in its own way, too. Right. The 3D Potter, uh, that's edgy. So, but a little more what what standard people, mm-hmm. you know, would like mm-hmm. that aren't really into art as much, mm-hmm. you know. Although I like it and I'm into art, but <laughs> well, we're already running out of time. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jacob, for coming in to talk with us about your work.
1: Yes, thanks for having me, Pat.
0: It was really fun to to talk. Now, what's your website so listeners can find out more and see all of these. Uh, Wonderful figurative sculptures and abstract sculptures, and see what you're doing with your
1: 3D potter. Okay, so the first website is my own. It's Jacob Foran, J-A-C-O-B-F-O-R-A-N dot com, and the 3D printed ceramics is Foransuon dot com. So it's F-O-R-A-N-S-U-O-N dot com. Okay, so we'll have to go there and love his
0: work, and be sure to listen in every Tuesday. For Artbeat Northwest at 5 p.m. drive time for news and views on the local art scene. I'm your host, Pat Polly signing off on Alternative Talk 1150. Have a great creative week.